Cutting Through Tech, Season 2, Episode 3. Decoding Development Decisions and How They Impact Your Business. Welcome to Cutting Through Tech, the show all about technical strategy for women leaders today. And you're listening to Season 2, which is all about apps. The app market is huge, and if you're looking to learn more, or better yet, get stuck in, you're tuned in to the right show. Now in this episode, I'll be unveiling all the technical know-how that is so helpful when you're making decisions in the app world. Normally I'd say, no technical lingo required to listen to the show, but equally, if you are a brilliant businesswoman, and you are looking to make moves in the mobile market, this is the kind of stuff that you need to know. Many founders I've spoken to who've been either further in the process or have had issues with this in the past, they love this part because these are the types of terminologies or considerations that's been floating around them for the past year or so. So that's what I'm, I'm hoping you'll get out of this episode today as well. So with that said, uh, we'll be looking at the difference between Android and iOS today as well as the kind of common components that are required in an app. And depending on the complexity of your idea, there could be um, more moving parts or fewer moving parts. And the implication of programming languages and framework choices that your team would make, um, but on your business. So there are definitely things that you still need to be aware about, even though they are decisions being made in the development teams. If this sounds like something that you need, and you've been enjoying the season so far, I'd love to invite you to a two-hour masterclass that I'm hosting on the 1st of May. You'll want to be there as I go through exactly how to create successful apps. You'll also have a chance to ask me any questions that are top of mind for you, or to discuss any specific considerations that are relevant to your situation. So I've included the registration link in the show notes, and yeah, sign up and join me. So let's start with the big decision. Are you building for iOS or Android or both? Now, iOS is the operating system that is used on on iPhones and Android runs on Google, Samsung, LG and other phones like that. And many people actually, when they start out, don't even realize this is a choice that they need to make in the first place. Now, They are two completely different operating systems made by different companies in different languages using different technology, much like Mac versus Windows, if you will. And the reason it affects things down the line is because you'll actually need two different types of people, often, uh, to write two completely different apps if you wanted to make the same thing on both platforms. And you can start to see where (laughs) where this gets important because that is larger cost and uh, it's going to take more time. So let's look a bit more about the two different skill sets, right? One person usually doesn't do both, or at least not at the same time. Now, there are exceptions. You will find engineers that are um, full mobile engineers that work on both platforms. Um, but it's a bit like it's a bit like looking for a drummer and a pianist. There are skilled musicians who happen to be able to play both instruments, but still, they can't play them at the same time in the same song. <laughs> So even if you found that kind of person, they would still have to stagger their development such that they either make one app first and then the other, or they, you know, they're continuously switching between the two projects, if you will. Otherwise, it means it's going to be doubly expensive because you're going to get two people (laughs) and have to do it. 
And there are parts that can be done kind of in common. So uh, something called the API will be, will be only made once and both apps will use that. What the API is exactly, we'll, we'll cover in the next section. We'll get to that in a second. But still, the, the app that people interact with, what's often referred to as the client-side application in this, in this larger piece that you're building, um, you're going to need to. Not to mention that the UX, uh, so the experience and the design of the apps, is slightly different between the two platforms because there are two different types of standards. So when someone designs, they do need to create two different designs for the app on both platforms. We'll cover the design in more depth in the next episode, but for now know that that's another aspect that needs to be looked at twice. There is a caveat in that there are technologies out there that allow you to make one thing that you can ship to both. These are often referred to as hybrid apps, but there are pros and cons to this approach. Um, Notably that once you grow bigger uh, and you hire your own team, a hybrid app really isn't gonna last long and you will end up having to break it into two pieces that are um, kind of tailored and geared towards their own platform. So if your goal is, for example, to fundraise and to grow a large team and a large, you know, like WhatsApp style sized business, um, hybrid apps are probably not going to be the way forward. However, right, there is a time and a place. You could say that your first version or um, that your prototype or something like that could be done in a hybrid app such that you can raise a next round, for example. If you're just trying to make a small app that goes along with other services in your business and it's okay if it gets a little bit outdated and it's it's really just a small piece of a larger puzzle of other stuff that you're working on, then again, a hybrid app might be a good choice. You'll find that a lot of agencies tend to do it because uh, it's quicker and easier for them, right? But again, if you're looking to employ a team, Uh, you will likely want to have people with their specific skill sets and you will likely end up making um, apps from scratch on those platforms. So it really depends on your case. And if I'm honest, it's hard to give a general answer here, but know that there are possibilities and these are absolutely things that you want to talk about uh, with the people that you'll be working with on, on making this app, right? So what else do you need in order to make this decision? Now, the number one thing is actually, where are your users? So what is the market that you're actually going after? And secondly, are there feasibility implications in terms of what platform you're choosing? When I worked on the app SwiftKey, uh, which is a third-party keyboard, so it's a kind of, you know, you swap out the default keyboard (laughs) that you type with, and you use this other one that had more powerful predictions and and more language capabilities, um, that was something that was only possible on Android. Uh, iOS at the time was quite restrictive and, and it just, you couldn't do that. But later on, they opened that up and then we made that app and, and it did well. But that was a clear example of something that was only possible on one platform. However, nowadays, if I'm honest, the platforms are fairly similar in what they can accomplish. So the biggest deciding factor still is the market that you're going after. And you can choose to stagger it, right? You can choose to start on one and then build the second one and use one particular platform almost as a... Um, don't want to say guinea pig, but you know, your first version, you test the idea out, you see how it goes. And if it does well and you can uh, generate more funds, you can go and create the next version. Examples here are, for example, examples here are Zip. Um, If you don't know, Zip is a electrical facial device 
and it pairs with an app on your phone so you can load different facial programs onto it. Uh, one for spots, one for lines, one for um, radiance or pigmentation, etc. So the device itself ships with one treatment on it, but if you want to swap, you need to use the app because it uses Bluetooth to transfer the different types of treatments onto that device. Now, initially, they only had an iOS app, and uh, naturally, a lot of people weren't too happy about that because they were looking to invest in this device, which isn't cheap, by the way, um, but they had an Android, so they felt like they weren't being catered to. But equally, if you think about it from a, a business perspective, a funding perspective, and a, you know, one thing at a time perspective, um, it's completely understandable that they started with the, the iOS market. It is the larger segment in the Western world. And on top of that, um, if you look at people that are probably going to splurge on an expensive electrical device, they tend to have iOS devices anyway. So it was a it was a good first choice, and then by now they they have the Android app out. They've redone the iOS app. It works beautifully in tandem, and um, if I'm not mistaken, actually it is a hybrid app. <laughs> and in their case, because it's actually quite a simple one, it's not that hard. But they they got there in the end, right? So there is no rush. <laughs> you can choose to start with one and do the other after. So uh, keep that in mind when you're, when you're considering this decision and talk it through with the teams that you'll be working with. However, the, the last thing I will say to just, you know, round this point up is that it is a conscious decision that you have to make. Uh, you don't want to find out halfway down the line, oh, actually, the people I'm trying to reach are like majority on Android and here we are making an iOS app because that, that just, that would be a shame. Um, this is something you really want to think about in the starting point and you want to have a strategy as to how you're going to roll out on the different platforms. But platforms aren't actually the only technical choice that um, has a lasting impact and that's something that you want to consider. Usually apps also have a range of components that need to be developed and uh, they have different rates of complexity. So let's have a look at a few different examples of types of common apps, if you will. And we can start with social media. So think of your WhatsApp and, you know, kind of messaging types of apps and platforms. Now, you draft, send, and read messages on your phone, but you also know that it connects with the internet. <laughs> and as soon as you log into a new phone uh, or a laptop, it connects to the cloud, if you will. And somehow that's where your messages live. And then they come back to you on your new device or your laptop or wherever you are. So let's have a closer look at this cloud thing. From a technical perspective, this is often referred to as a backend. So you will work with front-end engineers. These are people who make either web apps or client-side apps like an iPhone app. And you will work with backend engineers who work on that stuff in the cloud. <laughs> and the stuff in the cloud is important because um, it's storage. So that's where all the data is housed, ideally securely. <laughs> but there is also a whole bit around an API um, because your apps are going to be connecting to the internet. They're going to ask things of that, um, of that database instance. Uh, they're going to be sending things there. Like for example, I'm sending uh, Suzanne a message. This is the message. Can you please send it for me? And there is a very specific protocol and a way of connecting that dictates exactly what you can send or receive. And that entire protocol is called the API. So when a team is building this, they need to architecturally think about what the components are that are in play, who needs to talk to what piece, what gets saved where, 
and what the actions are and the type of information is that these apps need to receive and demand. Effectively, these are all little components in a bigger puzzle that will make it possible for this information to hop around from device to device to device via the internet. So when you're making an app, nine times out of 10, you're not just making an app. You're also making all of these other bits that are important. So when you're discussing a feature, for example, I want to be able to search my messages on, on WhatsApp, you'll see that they're often going to be built twice, if you will, on the client side, so you can search on the app, but also on the API side, because in the database there, it needs to be able to get that search information, filter all the messages, and then send those messages back. And so you'll have effectively two different types of people Again, these are two different skill sets <laughs> working on the same kind of feature, but it's a full round trip that makes up the type of functionality that you're looking for. Now, if you want to make things more complicated, <laughs> we've got you covered because another thing you can create is a marketplace. One of the most straightforward ones to look at is Uber. And the thing that makes this more complicated is that you need two apps. <laughs> so not only are you going to have this, this API, where um, it's kind of the single source of truth and where all the stuff and information lives, if you will. You won't have just one app connecting to that, you'll have two, one for the driver and one for the customer that's looking for a journey. So I, as a customer running around London, will get a complete different experience in a different app and log in in a complete different way than the driver does. And on the back end, it's actually more complicated as well because it's not just getting data from a database, it's actually dealing with live locations trying to work out who's closest to whom, and then choosing a few and dispatching notifications because, you know, the drivers have to say yes <laughs> to an incoming trip. That then makes a round trip back into the internet and onto the cloud. <laughs> that then gets sent to your phone if you're looking for the ride. Uh, you get your confirmations and you see all the real-time updates. So I think you can appreciate, like, we're, we're expanding in complexity. So again, you'll have more types of people in your team working on lots of different moving pieces because all these different types of technology pieces require different skills. So just like when you're building a house, you need an electrician, you need a plumber, you need someone who's adept at um, flooring, you need someone who installs kitchens, who probably might be slightly different to someone who installs bathrooms. All of those are different skill sets, but they come together as one house and one living experience. And really it is no different when it comes to making apps. You can have simpler ones, um, so kind of like a, a viewer app or somewhere where you just, you log in and you are able to access your information and get it on the go. Uh, an app I used to work on uh, called Artsy um, allowed you to follow your favorite artists. You can be notified when work um, is available in certain galleries or when they go up for auction. Now, none of that specifically is, is on the app. All of that stuff lives off the app and you can do it on the website but we know that people want to do it on the phone so we've also made an app but really it's just it takes all that information it puts it on the phone you can favorite things and you can send messages to to the gallery and you can bid on auctions that was actually a huge piece of work to start out with it was a very simple app and it grew in complexity as the challenges that the business was taking on would also grow in complexity like, for example, live auctions. Um, but otherwise, it's it's pretty straightforward. So it could also be that you're 
you're developing that kind of thing and actually in your starting point, it's not too crazy yet, which is a good thing. The simplest of all though is a completely local app and very few apps actually exist like that today. Uh, One that I can think of is the calculator app that comes by default on your phone. That does not talk to the internet at all. (laughs) You just punch in some numbers and, you know, it's predefined what it needs to do with those numbers. So either it adds them, it subtracts them, etc. It gives you the answer, you're done. Super, super simple. Naturally, these are not, they're not the apps that are worth a lot anymore in a way, because back in the day, you would pay a price, you know, 99 cents for an app like this. Uh, It's called a utility app, if you will. Uh, And it would make you, you know, it would make you some money, but often it was developers themselves making these types of things because it was just a fun side project. I can imagine, however, that it's not the kind of app that you're looking to build. Um, A slightly more interesting one could be notes, right? You could have local notes. But even then, nowadays, people expect to be able to sync them and to log in on another device and get those same notes. So again, you're going to have that API and that backend element in the whole project again. And even with something that is mostly on the phone, like a game or, or something like Shazam, which listens to the music and then can figure out what song is, is playing, those calculations, they get done again on a backend. And what a backend is really is it's just a computer but you can scale it and you can make it super fast and super quick. So it can do a lot of these types of calculations at once. So it's easier for them to send a little sound clip that way, have it figure out an answer and send the answer back down to the phone and show you, hey, you've been listening to, I don't know, a lovely day. So yes, you can have just a local app, but it's it's really rare that nowadays a, a new app idea would fall into this category, I would say. So when you get into the nitty gritty of your app and you start talking with your tech teams, you will hear these types of conversations going around about backends, APIs, client side, you know, all this kind of stuff. And it helps to either have a CTO or a tech lead or a project lead really understand the type of app that you're trying to create, be able to break that down into the appropriate components and for you to understand how that impacts the complexity of the required development. If you have uh, tight budgets or timelines or certain ideas about what needs to be done, these are the conversations you need to have to make the right trade-offs of really what features are you starting with and which ones you can work on further down the line. Now, the last decision that uh, often gets made, and, and it does happen in a development team, but can still really affect your business and the longevity of your project, is around programming languages and frameworks. Also, a framework is basically a tool set that helps you build. It's like reusable pieces of code for basic things like buttons or text. So you don't have to redefine the alphabet from scratch. <laughs> um, they're, they're existing pieces that you can work with to create more complex pieces. If you think about it, like you have words, we all work with a dictionary, but from that we create a host of different books, stories, essays, and so forth. Now, Why am I talking to you about languages and frameworks, right? This is super detailed stuff. Um, And this is not really something you need to decide, but I just, I want to caution you because the choices that a development team make here will affect the rest of your project for probably at least three years, if not longer. 
And the best way I can show you that is at the hand of an example. iOS apps are usually written in one of two languages, Swift or Objective-C. But lately, React Native is a framework that has become more popular. So if your team chooses something here like React Native, it will really determine the type of engineers or contractors that you can hire forward because now it's been ring-fenced to just one type of technology and skill set. So you might find someone that is an excellent iOS engineer, but what they mean is they write Swift or they write Objective-C and they're not able actually to help you very well with your React Native app. Now, obviously, people in general, they're very adept, they can learn fast. So, you know, in theory, it doesn't have to be a barrier, but it really can be. I once worked with someone who was trying to get this app built and she finally found a contractor that kind of was affordable, able to do this, um, and one that she was happy with after she worked with an abroad agency that went really wrong. So this person made the app. It was a super basic version, which um, is always where you start. <laughs> Everyone works with a MVP, a minimum viable product first. So she was creating this to just get over that first hump of launching it to the App Store, talking to Apple and trying to get it off the ground. So uh, that happened. It was great. It launched. Uh, contractor did their job and then, then moved on to other projects. So when the time came for her to start expanding that initial version, because it was bare bones, it was initial, um, she was obviously looking for new people to work with. So she managed to hire a team of two, I believe. And they were really baffled because the previous contractor had written the app in a specific framework that they were unfamiliar with. So for everything that they were trying to make that would normally take them, say, one day or two days, it would now take them four or five days because they just had a real tough time trying to get that sorted with the way that the app was already built. An analogy here, for example, could be that um, you're working with a chef <laughs> to develop the super secret bread recipe. It's brilliant. You've perfected it. The chef has written their notes and they go off. And turns out it's all in US metric. And the new chefs are working in grams. Now, in this example, obviously there are conversion charts. So it's not that hard to go from one to the other. But imagine if you had no idea and you're trying to decipher what these numbers mean. You know, how much flour does this amount to? Just to show that one person that you bring on, the decisions that they make can really, really impact you down the line. And it took her much longer to make that second version, not to mention the engineers were really struggling and, and disheartened by the project, ones that she had found that were really on board with the mission and the vision of her project, but over time just found it very difficult to get things done. You don't need to know the ins and outs of Kotlin versus Java. Um, they are languages for, for Android, but the latest and newest modern framework isn't always the best either because sometimes it doesn't stick around for long enough or there are not enough people that are skilled with it. So your role in this really is to determine how horrible you want the project to be, how long you want it to last, and to give a team direction in terms of how conservative or contemporary they are to be with their technology choices. At a bare minimum, you want them to at least document clearly what technical decisions they've made for any new hires to uh, be aware of as you interview them such that you can really make sure there's a match and that what's been built so far will not go to waste in the long run.
And well, that's it. There you have it. That was a fairly quick deep dive into a few technical areas of your project that you might want to be informed about. Platform choices are probably the easiest of the three, where as soon as you are aware that it's a choice, you can determine whether or not you'll be targeting iOS, Android, or both. This decision can easily be informed through your user base and through the investment cost and the roadmap. The components that will need to be developed are usually just dependent on the complexity of what it is that you're trying to do. Uber as an idea is so simplistic and great, but there's actually quite some tech behind it. So when you get down to breaking your idea into pieces, you will be talking a lot about APIs, backends, client apps, and, and other such things because these are the components that are pieces of the larger puzzle that's your app. And lastly, the choices that your developers make are the ones you and your business will need to live with for a long time. Yes, it's their expertise, but it's worth passing along parameters that are important to you, like whether or not you're looking to expand the team, and if they're locked into certain skills that exclude sections of the hiring market from working on your project. Really, in the long run, you'd be making these decisions with a partner. Um, I've heard from so many of you that you're looking for a CTO. And yes, on a day-to-day -day basis, that would be their bread and butter. This is the kind of architectural decisions that they'd be making with their team. But given that you are likely to be fundraising or thinking about the business model, these choices impact the cost, the timelines, and the teams that you're working with. It's so good to stay in the know and also to have these types of detailed conversations with your partners, co-founders, and CTOs. Uh, and even to just talk with them, this is kind of the stuff that you'd need to be aware of. And if you're not working with the CTO yet, that's fine. I hope this was able to at least bridge a small gap in the meantime. Now, one episode barely scratches the surface here and also how detailed you can get really just depends on your app. So if you have specific questions about your idea, your project, your dream, or the technology required to make it a reality, attending the masterclass I'm hosting uh, on May 1st is a great way to get into those details of your needs. As I said, it's about two hours and half of that time is actually dedicated to you and your questions. So I would love to see you there and hear what you're working on and help you make that a reality. That's all I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Cutting Through Tech. If you did, leave us a review, subscribe, and share. If you're wondering how, you can find a detailed guide on the website. Now, in the meantime, I hope you're all keeping safe and healthy. Uh, we're definitely trying over here. And yeah, if you have any other questions in the meantime, hit me up at maxime at cuttingthroughtech.com. And otherwise, I will see you next week.